Nosy Nancy's is a true crime podcast based in Austin, Texas. If you are sensitive to any of the trigger words, this is not the podcast for you. Due to its graphic nature, listener discretion is advised. Hey all you nosies, I'm Aliqua. And I'm Jasmine, and welcome to Nosy Nancy's episode 9 of season 2. Um, we have so much to talk about, obviously, but I yeah. want to talk about that drink that that Todd just made you. Oh, okay. Well, what is it? Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> Screwball whiskey is getting some uh, free advertising. Okay, so Todd got yeah. this screwball peanut butter whiskey, and it is incredible. We drank it straight. I loved it. I fell in love with it. I want to bathe in it. I want to drown in it. Like, it's incredible. <laughs> I love it. It's delish. Who do you love more, Todd or that? peanut butter whiskey uh definitely Todd it's a close second (laughs) it's a close second you know no matter how hard Todd will try he'll never be peanut butter whiskey that's true but I love him more so but yeah what did he so he did something fancy with it right yeah so he went on their website and they've got a lot of like cocktail recipes of you know you can add it to a bunch of different drinks And he made me this thing called a jungle ball. And I don't know what's in here. (laughs) I didn't look at the recipe, but it's so good. Like you can taste the peanut butter a little bit, but it tastes like there's, I don't know, pineapples in here. It tastes like there's, but it's, I don't know. It tastes like a, like a sweet tart almost. (gasps) Oh, I love sweet tart. I do too. And that's why I'm excited to be drinking it. Can I be vulnerable with you for a minute though? Absolutely. I don't really, I don't really like peanut butter. You know, and I think that that's just something sick that you have going on. But I mean, (laughs) you're a great friend to me and sometimes I have to overlook things and that includes... That includes your horrible personality traits. (laughs) What? Are you saying me? Me like... uh, Did you say me like as in you have to overlook my... (laughs) No. No. Terrible things? No. I love love that me hating peanut butter is a terrible uh, personality trait. Not the fact that I'm like abrasive or like... Or, like, blunt, but it's it's basically, like, me just hating peanut butter. Yeah, all that other shit about you I can handle, but... Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> it's the hatred the of the butter? peanut butter that's... Get the fuck out of yeah. here. That's a little bit much, but you know what? You're a winner, and Thank I'll you. be damned if I let that destroy our friendship. I love that about you <laughs> and me. I also hate eggs. I don't like eggs either. You know, and that's understandable because eggs can get a little too eggy. Yeah, for sure. And if that's the case, I have to dip out. I can't be worried about that. 
I really okay. Let me specify because like I will eat eggs if they're like sunny side up and runny, mm-hmm. but like scrambled eggs, fucking forget about it. I'm not doing it. I don't have time for it. It's gross. I can. It makes me what? Well, I used to not. I used to have to have my eggs <laughs> scrambled, otherwise I couldn't eat them. But right, I, that's what kids did. Right? Yeah, yeah. But I like a variety of egg. Honestly, I think I, I think I just got too much scrambled eggs in my life, and my and it scrambled my taste buds, and that's probably why I don't like peanut butter either. Actually, the reason why I don't like peanut butter is because it makes I, it makes my mouth dry, and I mm-hmm. like having a wet mouth. Oh, okay. Well, we all have our preferences. <laughs> we do have a lot to talk about, though, and we we. We for some reason Jasmine's recording thing cuts off like after an hour, and I was so mad because we made Zach and Amanda say goodbye for us last episode. And it was really cute, and then we couldn't. It didn't pick it up on the recording. Yeah, so we're gonna keep them short and sweet, or try to, like me, short and kind of sweet. Exactly. That's all right. Part of your winning personality, BB. Yeah. BB. Okay, don't lie. Jesus doesn't like a liar. Jasmine. Well, Jesus doesn't like me anyways. We got beef. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. so the person who I'm talking about, I actually wanted to talk about, I had posted an article to the Facebook page, um, which said that police have basically come to the conclusion that this will be a solved homicide soon. As of now, it is a cold case. But right. Raul Meza Jr. is someone who they have began looking at um, as potentially having committed this murder. I'm sure everybody remembers like media outlets whenever... Raul Meza Jr. was arrested. They'd all released statements from APD stating that they believed that he was responsible for at least 10 other cold case crimes um, in Austin as well as in San Antonio and potentially more than that. Mm -hmm. Detectives had issued a warrant for his Google account and for some reason they started looking Specifically at the dates from November 1st, 2016 through March 29th of 2013. Ooh. No, not 2013. 2023. <laughs> well, I was like, what? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a short, short amount of time and going yeah. backwards. <laughs> In the investigation into his Google account... They do believe that they have found a positive link, some kind of information linking him to the 2018 cold case of Nicole Coleman. Nicole was found on December 31st of 2018, so on New Year's Eve. Um, She was found nude. Her body was discovered by a cyclist on a hike and bike trail off of Ed Bluestein Boulevard about 50 yards away from Highway 183. Okay. Yeah, I know where that is. Police haven't really disclosed whether she was raped, but they did say that there was 
quote, obvious signs of trauma all th over her body. And the ma the actual manner of death was not released for investigative reasons. Um, I would be super interested to know the manner of, of the death mm -hmm. and what caused her death because... I didn't realize we did this, but we did this again. I think my cold case is connected to Raul Meza Jr. Really? Yeah. Interesting. But go ahead. Yeah. Um, so if they did find a positive link or if the MO, MO is the same for Nicole's death, we know that Gloria Lofton, who Raul murdered, was raped and strangled Kendra Correct. Page who was the eight-year-old who he raped and killed was also strangled and Jesse Frega the man who he was staying with that he murdered also had other additional like wounds and was attacked and tortured but was found with a belt wrapped around his neck so it could be but I don't know strangulation that it was right. a strangulation death. That seems to be his MO for sure. Yeah, I would, I would think so. Nicole was 23 at the time of her murder. She actually had, well, she's from the Houston area and a lot of her immediate family do still live in the Houston area. She was down here, um, seeking treatment for some psychiatric issues that she had going on. She had only been here about two months. Her family did describe her as a bright, sweet girl who unfortunately suffered with mental health issues. Um, she was visiting several psychiatrists and had been previously and was staying in a group home at the time of her disappearance and eventually being found murdered. She was exceptionally bright. She had graduated from Lone Star College with a GPA of 4.0, which she was extremely proud of, and she was a remarkable poet and writer. Um, and she actually, due to her own uh, issues and experiences, had aspirations of becoming a psychologist to help other young people like herself oh, get the help so that they sad. need. And one day I was hoping to get married and start a family. Oh, yeah. I hate him. I know. He's such a piece of shit, dude. Like, such a piece of <clears throat> shit. Yeah. Um, honest the, the, the state of Texas owes her family, like, like compensation for this. Because seriously. they let him, they let him out. They yeah. just fucking kept letting him out. No, if they find a positive link, there's no doubt about it. Like... They deserve some type of compensation, for sure. Yeah, for sure. There's an, honestly not a lot of information to be had on her because she... The case is still under investigation, obviously. And police really don't know a lot. I mean, she was only living in Austin for two months before she was found. Um, but the last night that she was seen alive... She was captured on surveillance video outside of the Cool Corner gas station 
which is a place that she frequented. It was a short walk away from the group home that she was staying at. Um, she mm. can be seen on the night of December 28th, which was the day that she went missing. She can be oh. seen walking around the parking lot at 5.26 p.m., and then again, she can be seen at 6.07 in the gas station parking lot. And she's like walking up to the door, but it doesn't show her grabbing the door or going in. It just kind of cuts off. There's no footage of her inside the store. Never shows her entering the store. But that's like 40 minutes of right. being around. Now, this is pretty close to Pflugerville, right? Where what, was the cool this corner gas station? Yeah. This was 2018. So I think he was living in Pflugerville <clears throat> at the time. So the cool corner gas station is at 6413 Manor Road in Austin. Okay. That's not, I don't think that's anywhere close to Pflugerville. Oh, okay. So I'm looking at a picture of the gas station and other people can too if they so choose, but... There's like a kind of like a, a kind of wooded area. So um, one of the things that's mentioned in Nicole's obituary, first of all, her family was ex extremely honest in her obituary. And you just can tell that she's very loved by right. her family, regardless of the things that she went through. They did mention that she did have a tendency to self-medicate. Um, right. So one of the theories that kind of had come up is that she's there for 40 minutes at this gas station. Did she meet somebody? You know, nobody knows. There was no right. footage of her walking off with anybody or... It's all speculation. Yeah, that, plans that, that were overheard for her to go meet anybody. But there is kind of a wooded area off to the side of the gas station that, you know, who knows who could have been in there or if she even went in there or what could have been going on. Well, um, yeah, I mean, if she was, especially if she was having an episode, like you don't know... When people are having emotional episodes, they are like, they're not, they're in their own world. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And we just have no idea what's going on in their heads. Right. There was also speculation that possibly she could have gotten in a fight with someone at the home and they followed her. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's kind of unclear. Um, but I did post the gas station footage to our Facebook page. Um, I oh, didn't right. Yeah. So if people want to look at it, it is on there. I posted it on the 11th. Um, police are asking, um, anybody with any information to come forward. At one point it was believed that two men who were arrested actually in a connection with a aggravated sexual assault just days before, Nicole Coleman was murdered about a mile away at Davis White Northeast Neighborhood Park. <laughs> That's a mouthful. Yeah. Off of <laughs> off of Loyola 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 Lane. <laughs> 
but they were also believed to have been involved in Nicole's death and they were ruled out as suspects. Police are asking people to look at the gas station footage. Um, Nicole was wearing a very distinct, like, pink and white sweater that had, like, a striped pattern on the sleeves. And they think that that might stand out to people when she's yeah. been walking around. They're wanting specifically to know, like, did you see her talking to anybody? Was there any weird suspicious vehicles in the area you know they just want any information they can get because again this person only spent two months in austin um yeah and then yeah. obviously they're also looking at raul as a possible suspect so anyone who might have any information about Nicole's whereabouts prior to her death or who she may have encountered at the gas station is urged to contact police and tips can be submitted by calling 512-477-3588 and also via email at homicide.apd at austintexas.gov through Crime Stoppers by calling 512-742-8477 or texting TIP 103 with information to Crimes or using the Crime Stoppers app. Her family is also offering a $1,000 reward for information now, leading to... To her death? Yes. For Well, to the arrest of the suspect, her, I think. Oh, gotcha. When did he kill Gloria? Was it in 2018? Or was it 2016? Let me go to my notes for him. Hang on. I think he was her neighbor in 2016 when she was found murdered. If I remember correctly. And I want to know how close that street was to where Nicole was went missing. The gas station off of uh, Manor. So, that's a great question. And you may be surprised to know that I've Googled what? that information. <laughs> well, hey, listen, armchair detectives, that's us. So, Miss Gloria Lofton's house was at 4805 Sarah Drive. And mm -hmm. the Cool Corner gas station was, is at 6413 Manor Road. It takes... It's eight minutes via oh. Springdale Road to travel there. So Nicole was found in 2018, near the end of 2018. Uh -huh. Gloria Lofton was um, killed in 2019. <gasps> he did. See, he was in the area. He was in he the was area. He was in the fucking area. He was. Dude. So it very well could have been, especially like if he wasn't dry. I mean, I'm assuming the eight minutes is if you're driving. Oh, but it's three. Yeah. It's three point one miles. So I mean, you could easily like walk over there. Or you know, he rides a bike. We know yeah. he was on a bike when he got caught. Yeah, this last time in 2020 or 2023. I mean, so. You know that he, I mean, a bicycle ride for three miles, I mean, that, that could yeah, easily that's be done nothing. in 10 minutes. Right, exactly. But, I, but he was probably driving, because if you were going to, like, whoever murdered her, probably, I mean, she, she was found, where was her body found? 
Her body was found, um, well, her body was found, um, at the hike and bike trail. Let me pull up my notes. Off of Blue, off of Ed Bluestein. Off of one. Yeah, off of Ed, Ed Bluestein. So she was found in the brush about yeah, 50 so yards that, from, from 183. So if we're assuming that she was picked up at the gas station or near the gas station, which was her last whereabouts that we mm-hmm. know of. Yeah. Then she, the person probably had a car to get all the way over to Ed Bluestein, which is off of 183. Right. Which, yeah, I mean, wow. I I mean, he was in the area. He's a fucking sicko. Honestly, like, I do hope that they find out who did it. um, Yeah. Because this, I mean, her family is they seem so sweet like every family seems sweet but you can just tell like they really cared for her they were there for her when she's struggling you know she had people who loved her and and it's unfortunate that a lot of people with mental health issues sometimes don't have that you know yes Um, yeah um, but I do yeah. hope that for the sake of her family that they get some sort of answers. I really don't care if Raul did it or, or not. I mean, he seems very likely, but... I'm also concerned that, like, now that they know that he is a convicted killer and they know that he has ties to other murders, like, I'm worried they're going to start pinning other murders on him mm-hmm. even though he didn't do it necessarily. And right. then the person who who actually did do it like gets away gets away with it and then continues to like to offend you know what i mean yeah that's my only concern with pinning it on raul Meza jr because Mm -hmm. he was a sicko and he did he kind of was kind of bulletproof when it came to the law yeah no shit i mean they were just fucking letting him go left and right yeah if if you get caught for something and you get released almost immediately in the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. like what does he have to be scared of? What's going to stop him from doing it? Exactly. Or for you know what I mean? Like there was no fear of going back to to prison because he would just get the fuck out again. Right. No, you're absolutely right. Um, like there was no j- justice for for his victims, and I absolutely get what you're saying. But Raúl, like he. We also have to remember that he turned himself in. Yeah, um, he did. And he confessed to Gloria Lofton. He confessed to Jesse Frega. He admitted to killing Kendra, pa- Kendra Page. Um, yeah. So there's no doubt in my mind that it's just kind of like he is pretty proud of the fact that he's done these things and one way or another I feel like if he did do the crimes that he would fully admit to it yeah I think he would too but I think he would also be kids he is kind of like he does seem not remorseful but he seems like I mean the 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 way he like turned himself in so he definitely had some guilt right yeah. and I'm and I'm wondering if that guilt would cause him to be like admitting to things that he also didn't do mm-hmm. just because the guilt of, of the things that he has done in the past. And like, at what, at what point does it matter? Right. You know, he's, he's fucking 62. Like he's only going to live 30 more years probably. You know what I mean? No, yeah. not even that. 
maybe, you know, maybe 30 years. So, God, it's real It's real uh, convenient to be locked up at, at your older age, not when you're in your prime of your life and you're yeah. out there killing fucking people. No, and I... You and know I, what I mean? I fully understand what you're saying because, I mean, he he spent his, like, his entire adult life pretty much staying with other people. It's not like he had yeah. established, a, like, a place to live on his own or, you know, so right. he was pretty much just benefiting off of the kindness of other, other people. people. Yeah. And then not only that, but, you know, he was arrested at a young age and... Like, Charles Manson, he said, like, I don't know how to act when I'm out of prison. Like, I don't know what's expected of me or how to get things or, you know what I mean? So, it's just easier for me to be behind bars because everything's handed to me and I know what I'm supposed to do. So, it could also be a situation of maybe he's just been in the system so long that he genuinely just doesn't want to be out of it you know he like I mean, maybe yeah could be that's common with a lot of people who have been incarcerated for long amount of time yeah like when you watch the a&e specials or or the netflix locked up specials where they're like i've been in here since 1976 yeah. they just don't know what to do when they get out if you do your time and you get out it's so hard to get a job because nobody wants to hire a felon. Right. Right. Exactly. So then, so then, you know, in order to be on parole, you have to pay, you have to pay your parole officers. You have to pay the state that you live in. But how can you do that if you can't get a job and you can't get a job if you're a fucking convicted felon. Right. And your felony doesn't drop off your record. And for like, I don't know, 10, at least 10 years, mm -hmm. but you're paroled. And then you're expected to just kind of like, to make something out of your life, but how can you? The only way you can really do that is if you start your own business. Like, most people who have been in the system for so long, they don't have credit. Yeah, exactly. So how are they supposed to get a loan, a business loan, to start a business? Right. You know what I mean? It's just, it's the, the system isn't made for people to succeed, obviously. No, it's made to keep them failures and when it comes to people like Ryle Mesa Jr. obviously we don't give a shit if he fails or not right because yeah, he's fuck a fucking him. sicko yeah but there are people in the prison system who like just went in there for for drugs as a teenager or yeah. a young adult and it's like okay that's different like let this like like expunge the record let them have an opportunity to like make something of their lives you know no, it's you're just... you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm all for, you know, criminals who committed horrible acts being punished, but some, you know, sometimes people who are in there like for drugs, you know, I mean, they come yeah. out and, and it take they cannot rebuild. They literally are just struggling. And yeah, like no. when someone has that kind of addiction or whatever, I mean, what do you think they turn to like when their life's not going right and they need to like feel a little bit exactly. different? Exactly. You know, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. And how are they going to get out of that loop if, they're, if their life out of prison is hard from the get go? Because exactly. the system is making it hard for them. It's just like, it's like, what the fuck, dude? Right. Like, it's, it all starts off with money, right? If you, if you come from a family with money, you're more than likely to be able to get off of, of having a felony in the first place. Because yeah. you, you are able to afford a good lawyer. And a good lawyer 
it's it's not it's not a question if you're guilty or if you're innocent. The question is if you got a good lawyer or if you have a shitty lawyer. Yeah, how much money point. do you have? Yeah, they're they're gonna work better and or harder for you if you are paying them a, a a fat retainer. God, could you imagine me in jail? I would be somebody's bitch so fast. Honestly, I'm not even joking. Me too. I could not. I know. I'm a crier. We all know. I'm a crier. <laughs> I'm too emotional. I need I need a wonderful lady to protect me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> me too. Well, this is really interesting because I want to remind people that when Raul Meza Jr. was convicted of Kendra Page's um, death in 1982, he was sentenced to 11 years in prison and was released in 1993. Yeah. Right. During that time, he uh, was he was shipped off to different cities um, to try and find a place for him to to live until he was uh, essentially just moved back to San Antonio with his grandparents. So I don't know the timeline. I would assume it was probably around mid 90s when he ended up back in San Antonio. Right. Right. That's safe. So that's safe. So the girl that I want to talk about today you may not know the case but you know her name and she was a nine-year-old girl in arlington texas now what's interesting about this and i didn't really it didn't really click to me until until like we like an hour before we started we were gonna record this and i was like Fuck, i gotta figure out all this information but mineral wells texas raul ended up in mineral wells texas for a short period of time I don't know when, but it was between 1993 and, like, like 1999. Mineral Wells, Texas is about an hour and a half drive from Arlington, Texas. Really? This is the case of, of Amber Hagerman, and she was killed um, in 1996. Okay, three years after Raul Meza Jr. was, was released from prison. Okay. Uh, that name honestly does sound familiar. You're going to know why when I get when I get done with this. Cuz I ne- I never knew why. But here we go. All right? Okay. Amber Renee Hagerman was born November 25th, 1986 in Arlington, Texas to Donna Norris and Richard Hagerman. On January 13th, 1996, nine-year-old Amber and her five-year-old brother, Ricky, were with their mother visiting their grandparents' home in Arlington, Texas. Amber had asked her mother if she could ride her bike to the end of the street, and her mother agreed as long as she would take Ricky with her and as long as they stayed together and didn't go past the end of the block. Amber's mother recalls her turning around on her bike and saying, Okay, Mommy, I love you before taking off on her bike, Ricky in tow. It was 3.10 in the afternoon. Ricky biked along behind his older sister, but when Amber decided to go past the point of where their mother had told them they couldn't go farther then, Ricky turned around and headed back towards his grandmother's house, leaving Amber to bike alone in an abandoned parking lot of a Winn-Dixie grocery store. I mean, good boy, but like... Oh, why would you leave your sibling? Maybe well, she was just like didn't want to come. Five. Yeah, she wanted. Well, yeah, so... but I mean, still, like, 
he didn't want to break the rules. The rules were don't go past this, and and Amber wanted to go. Uh, she wanted to go right around that empty parking lot. Um, at three eighteen, an elderly neighbor of the grocery store, seventy eight year old Jimmy Kevill, witnessed the abduction of Amber Hagerman by a man in a truck. He told police he had seen this, the little girl riding her bike and then saw the man in his 20s or 30s throw her in his truck as she kicked and screamed. He said the suspect was medium build and less than six feet tall. He had brown or black hair and the black pickup truck had a single cab with no chrome or striping and was in good condition. Could Amber's you imagine pe- what, witnessing something like that? Like, I would not even know what to do. I mean, call the police, Me, obviously, but... Right, right. Especially, so, the way that, the way, or the location of Kevil's house was, like, was behind, it wasn't super close to, to like, the parking lot. You could mm-hmm. see on the map, there's, like, a little bit of... Not woods, but there's like a a plot of land kind of between the parking lot and his and the back of his house, so he couldn't like get a good look at the man either, even if he like wanted to like he i, I mean he knew that he had dark hair and he was white or hispanic, which okay. is pretty interesting because rel moves I tried to find out whether or not rel was like under six feet tall um which he was, I think. If you look at the pictures, you can tell he's not a very tall man. Yeah. But he was, you know, he had dark hair. And at the time, he probably would have been, you know, around in his, like, late 20s, early 30s in 1996. Right? Wasn't he convicted in, like, when he was, like, 20? Didn't he kill her when he was, like, 20 or something like that? Kendra? Yeah. He was 21 years old when he abducted Kendra Page. Okay, so if he was 21 years old in 1982, mm-hmm. then he would be 31 in 1992. So, yeah, he would be, like, 35 Yeah, at this time. Amber's mother knew something was wrong when Ricky returned without his sister, so Donna and her father immediately went out searching for Amber. When Ricky last saw Amber, she was no farther than the convenience store, about two blocks away. After the eyewitness, Jimmy Kevill, called in to 911, law enforcement immediately sent out a team of investigators to the abduction site where they found Amber's pink bike. Search crews were dispatched all around the neighborhood and the town, both for Amber and for the black single-cab truck. News reporters were bombarding the Hagerman home, and although the police had advised against speaking with the media, Donna thought it would be a good opportunity to get the word out to the neighboring towns about Amber and her abduction. Because at this time, like, in 1996, they don't, they don't, there weren't cell phones. They didn't have, yeah. uh, they, Nothing. you know, they didn't have anything at the time. So They were still going you know. to the library to find shit out. Yeah, so she literally, like, she had, the only outlet she had was the news outlet. Um, and you, and who knows where he would have taken her. They don't know if he, like, left her, left out of the state with her. They didn't right. know where he went. Yeah. God. Um, Donna, I know. Could you imagine? Oh, so scary. Donna Hagerman knew time was not on her side. The detectives had already explained that if Amber 
wasn't found within the first 24 hours, the likelihood of her returning home safely drastically declined. Of course. That's As so the sad. days pa- I know. Could oh god, the just just the amount of like of of stress not knowing. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why it's so important that cold cases get solved mm-hmm. or like or missing people are found. It's it's obviously it's horrible when they're found deceased, but at least they know. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, because people who you know, a member of their family goes missing, they always say like I wish, you know, even if they were found dead, like, at least I would know something. I wouldn't have to be treating it like they're dead and then still, like, have that hope kind of lingering. Yeah, because, I mean, your mind is a, can be a really terrible place to yeah. get trapped in. And if, like, you don't, if you don't know the ending, if you don't know what happened, it can go so many places. Right. You know? As the days passed, the media coverage slowed and the and less and less volunteers showed up to the home of Amber Hagerman to help search for her. More than 72 hours after her abduction, people were starting to think the man took Amber out of the state and could be long gone. At this point, Donna was losing hope, but she couldn't give up on Amber. Seven weeks before her abduction, Amber was being followed by a film crew for an unreleased documentary about welfare reform Donna had been selected to participate in footage shows a bright and happy freshly nine-year-old Amber and her willingness to help her mother around the house and the special bond the two shared in a macabre turn of fate these would be the last images of Amber that is so sad there is footage there is that footage on YouTube um, oh, you can really? you can see it. Yeah, she's so cute. She's got like little freckles and big blue eyes. She's very sweet looking. I'm just gonna say it. She looks a lot like Kendra Page. Really? And here's the thing too. Amber was on her bike. Kendra Page was also on her bike. Yeah, that makes complete it, sense that it would be Raul for sure. I know. Kendra was eight years old. Amber was nine. I mean, uh, Kendra had brown hair. Amber had brown hair. So I think Kendra had blue eyes. Amber had blue eyes. They both had freckles. They're very similar looking. Very similar build. God. Mm-hmm. On January 17th, four days after her disappearance, at 11.41 p.m., Amber's body was found discovered in a creek naked and badly damaged Ugh. by a man named Stuart Cocker, who was walking his dog four miles from where she was abducted. How fucking awful. Seriously. What the fuck does badly damaged mean? I don't know. This is what the, I don't know. That's what the news, that's what the, the news article said. Donna rushes to see Amber, but her body is in such bad shape. The police at the scene try and discourage her, but Donna cannot oblige. The state in which her body was recovered suggested the person who killed and abducted nine-year-old Amber Hagerman had done something like this before. On her neck were several lacerations, almost to the point where her throat had been removed from the neck. Most of the evidence... Yeah. Most of the evidence was washed away by the water in the creek, but it is suggested that she was sexually assaulted, and although the police had possession of her bicycle, the killer left no fingerprints or evidence on her bike. He literally, like, 
like when he got down. out and snatched her. No, no, when he got out and snatched her, he like put his forearms underneath her armpits and like picked her up and threw her in his truck. Wow. Yeah. So he definitely uh, like doing this all the time. Yeah, and I was thinking I was thinking if you had been convicted of a crime like this similar and you were put in prison for 10 years, you would be mad. Oh yeah. And yeah, for I sure. Think, and I think I think that given her state, given the state her body was in, this was somebody who was mad. Yeah. No, what I is would that say sound? So. <laughs> <Kato>. <laughs> Oh my god, that scared me. <laughs> it's oh my god. Sorry, <laughs> I thought he was gonna be quiet. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not quiet. He he's wanted to like be a, <laughs> a pig. <laughs> he wanted to be lifted up and held like a little baby. <laughs> he's quiet, so I was like, okay, but. I didn't know no. he was going to be all snorty. Okay. No, put that bitch back down. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, Here you go, baby. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I was saying, like, but the state of her body, I think that, like, suggests the person was fucking mad. No. You know what I mean? Definitely. I, I don't know what badly damaged me, but I cannot even fucking imagine... No, I couldn't either. I'm assuming, I mean, this was in 1996. So, I mean, like, I don't think they they went into much detail like they do now. So, I don't know if she was just bruised. I don't know if she had more lacerations. I don't know if they were just specifically talking about the neck thing. Yeah. Because it was so horrific. Yeah. You know, so, I, I don't know. <laughs> but but we do know that Raul also liked to 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 do strangulation of his victims. Um, yeah, that's undoubted. And whoever did this obviously had a ton of fucking anger. And that's, that is one thing that they said also, um, with Nicole's body. Um, cause they, they did say that, uh, there was quite a bit of trauma to the body. Yeah. That it's right. like an, an angry crime. I was thinking about calling 311 and, like, talking to the awesome police department and being like, hey, like, have you thought about the con possible connection to, like, the Amber Hagerman case mm -hmm. and Raul Meza Jr.? Because he was living in Mineral Wells, which right. was an hour and a half away, which is not far in the grand scheme of things. And he also was living in Wichita Falls, which was two hours away yeah. from Arlington. I mean, he could have been he could have been in the DFW area for a job interview. Yeah. You know anything I mean? could have been. He, yeah. Anything he could have, he could have known somebody that lived in, uh, in Arlington and just happened to be like around the time, you know what I mean? That she was there. I mean, it's not a bad idea. No, I mean, God, the, it's just, it's just the way that she was killed both Amber and, um, Kendra, it's so similar. Yeah, they're no, both the really. same age. They looked. They looked really similar. They he would have been the, this, the right age for the time. Yeah, kind of fit the description. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely fit the description. I mean, dark hair, Hispanic or white. They don't. Yeah. they couldn't. He couldn't tell. 
I, I, it just, it blows my mind. It's just like, and also like Kendra's uh, death occurred in broad daylight too. Cause it was right around the same time. She yeah. She had like just gotten, gotten uh, home from school. Yeah. He dumped her body as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know that, I know that they are looking into other cases for him, but no, I mean, I think that that's, it's extremely fitting. I, I think so. I don't know exactly when he was living in um, Mineral Wells, so I can't, so I don't know for sure, but I, you know, I, that, it, it just depends on the timeline. I mean, it, the possibility of him could be blown out just depending on the timeline of when he lived there. I can't find any information of when he lived there on the internet. I can't mm-hmm. find how tall he was on the internet. Like, there's nothing like that that is, like, being disclosed at the time. Um, the loss of Amber had broke the Hagerman household, but it also created fear among other parents in her community as no arrests were ever made. Shortly after Amber was found, the Arlington Police Department released what they knew of her killer. White or Hispanic man, under 6 feet, 25 to 30, with dark brown or black hair. They know he turned left out of the Winn-Dixie parking lot onto the East Ebram Street, passing a laundromat um, that the Arlington police hoped someone tending to their clothes there could have witnessed the abduction and have some information. Because the area where Amber's body was found was isolated and pretty hidden, police believe the killer knew the area well. They believe he was kind of the guy next door. He knew the area where she was taken, and he knew exactly where he could dispose of her body afterwards without being seen. They believed he lived in the area and that he used a different car to move Amber's body in order to escape detection. Um... They believe the suspect had held Amber for over 48 hours before killing her. Donna can only imagine what he did to her during that time. Oh, my God. But here's the thing. They, th- these are all assup- assumptions. I mean, we just don't know. Um, in the days and weeks that followed, Donna agreed to let the documentary crew continue to film in hopes they would help tell Amber's story. As time goes by, the police are more and more reliant on the f- on the public for help in solving Amber's murder, but no arrests are made and no leads are found. Angry and frustrated that her daughter's murder isn't being solved, Donna persevered and fought to keep Amber's name and story alive. Using her voice, she goes on to national television to tell Amber's story in hopes to convince lawmakers to increase sentencing of crimes against children, and she also testified in favor of passing a national bill that would track sex offenders. One thought kept haunting Donna. Why did it take so long for the public to know Amber had been abducted and was missing? Do you get do you do you, do you get who this is yet? Who is it? Well, okay, I'll keep going. Amber's story stuck. <laughs> Amber's story struck the right person at the right time. A fellow Texas mother named Diana Simone. I said, I can't get over this child. There has to be something we can do, Simone told people in an inter- in a 2022 interview. There were weather and civil defense alerts, so why did they do why wouldn't they do it for this? 
Simone called a local radio station with her idea of an emergency system that would set up so that when a 911 call was placed... Oh, the- shut up! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's that, yeah. Amber. Yeah. Radio okay. <laughs> radio stations would immediately interrupt programming to broadcast the alert. Fourteen days after Amber's abduction, she wrote a letter to the station requesting that if her alert system was put into place, it would be known as Amber's plan. The plan, renamed Amber, America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response Alert, was put into place that same year. Today, Amber Alerts are used in all 50 states the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, and 33 countries. To date, they have saved at least 1,085 children in the U.S., according to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Well, isn't that, isn't that, that's insane. I know. What's insane is that, is that Amber's case is still not solved. That's what's insane. Um, without the people, without people caring and with that, and willing to participate, I don't care how good of an idea it is, it would have gone nowhere, says Simone. It's the goodness in the hearts of the people who care that are making the difference. I specifically selected on my phone to turn off any type of alert- alerts. Oh, no! <laughs> Jasmine! That's terrible! And not just Amber, like, any type of emergency alert. So, like... When the so zombies come, or when we get nuked, or whatever, oh. like, I'm going to have no idea. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're just going to live blissfully in your little apartment, your it's little true. house. It's true. Make, being Betty Homemaker yeah. to Todd, yeah. the whole world is going to be blowing up uh, outside. Yeah. You won't even I'm going to be just loving my life, super happy, and then I'll just be dead. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of how we all want to go, I mean, right? I don't... I don't mind it. No, that's a good way to go. Now maybe you'll turn it back on. Now that you know the story of Am- of Amber Hagerman. Like no promises, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I feel bad. Yeah. We're doing a good thing too. I mean, we're you know at least we're like getting these out there, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. To our twelve audience members. Um, <laughs> So, Rayleigh Brad- Bradbury was eight weeks old when she was taken by her babysitter 20 years ago. It was the first time an Amber Alert was successful in the country. That was the hardest 13 hours of my life, said her mother, Patricia A. Sokolowski. Sokolowski vividly remembers the FBI and police officers coming in and out of her home when her daughter went missing. During that time, Amber Alerts had only been in existence for two years, and the emergency response system that they come to me at about midnight and said, we're going to activate an Amber Alert. We haven't used it. It's the first time. We want it to work. She recalled the detective saying, the alert did work. According to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, it was the first time an Amber Alert had worked. Bradbury was found 13 hours later unharmed, and the babysitter ended up serving 10 years in jail. When Bradbury was kidnapped, the system was available in Texas but had yet to be used at a national level. 
In 2003, President George W. Bush signed the PROTECT Act, which embraced the Amber Alert as a at a national level. As of February 2017, 868 children have been rescued specifically because of this initiative. Wow, the one thing George W. Bush did that was good. I know. I was just thinking. Oh. <laughs> like, oh, no. okay. All right, Don't get me George. started on him, Georgie. Um, I can do all things. I can go to graduation. I can get married one day. I can go to college. It's just mind-boggling because some people don't get that luxury, Bradbury said. She added, I'm very, very grateful. I mean, that's that's intense. I it is a did not realize this entire time that it was that Amber. Yes. And now I feel, like, attacked because <laughs> I have my alerts off. I have been, like, paying more attention be since we've been doing this podcast. Oh. Because we... Because well, because we highlight a missing person, you know, every every week. So that's true. You know, we do get. And in fact, the last Amber Alert that we that I received, um, the little boy was found safe. Oh, so, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. I think it was like a. I guess at this point, I guess it was a couple of days ago, maybe like five days ago. Um, but yeah, he was found. He was found safe. So well, that's good. I didn't get yeah, the alert, but. I have them turned yeah, off. Yeah, because you have them turned off. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to turn them back on? You could do it so it doesn't make sound. Because mine doesn't make sound. Oh, it doesn't? Okay. Uh -huh. I'll do yeah. that. Yeah, just turn your turn your sound off. That's All what right. I do. All right. All right. Yeah. Save a life. Okay. The whole story is insane. The fact that Raul was even in this, the vicinity of it is insane. Yeah. Because you know he's not going to like... He's not just going to stop no. just from being released. No, not at all. He went fucking ham every time they released him. Yeah, he did. I wonder I wonder if they if the police have like made the connection between Amber Hagerman and uh Kendra Page because like they're so similar. Even the way that they were abducted off their off their bike in broad daylight yeah. around the same time. I don't know. It's very, it's very strange. I would hope that they are looking into it. You know what I mean? Like, there's got to be a database of crime, like, Texas crimes. And, I mean, surely they've got, like, a fucking Excel, like, spreadsheet of, like, yeah, common denominators hot... or something. Right. And he's a hot topic right now. So, hopefully, yeah. they're, they're looking into other cases, like, unsolved cases but but hit but i'm just concerned because the majority of his victims haven't been children like it's only been kendra page that we know of right so i'm wondering if they're if they're just kind of kind of pat you know pass over blow yeah other children right correct 311 like when you call 311 because like sometimes if people are being dicks driving i fucking i'll call the police on them i don't care i don't care <laughs> That is the oldest thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> really? <laughs> Even though I go to bed at nine, real yeah, no, it's pretty old. Yeah. It's so old and crotchety. I don't it care really if is. Crazy. 
No, yeah. I'm talking about like when I'm driving and they're like being dicks. Like if they're like tailgating me and then like or if like they're like driving erratically, fuck yeah, I'm calling the police on them. But the but the police don't ever fucking answer, so it's <laughs> fine. It's fine. No, it's true. You always have to leave the message and then see if someone's gonna call you back. You don't even get a message. Oh, when you, really? When you try to contact the APD. You no, used to you, get a message call- when you called 311 whenever I was in Austin. Not And it would be like, you've reached the non-emergency. Leave a message and we'll call you back. Maybe. Yeah, no. Not anymore. They they don't... It's so... I guess they're so backed up or whatever. They just don't... You just... Honestly, it just rings and rings and rings and rings and rings and rings and you're just like and then you just give up because who has who has patience for that i don't have patience for that well they have that like texting now so i mean you can i guess like text 911 and be like hey this isn't an emergency but (laughs) i think you should look into this me texting 911 and being like hey what are you wearing right now (laughs) I don't know. I Somebody know text 911 and call attention to, to this case. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so I guess it's time to do the, speaking of Amber Alerts, I guess it's time to do the missing person. All right. Who do we have? Okay. So this week's missing person is a man named uh, DJ Damon Middleton Jr., um, he was last seen in South Austin at Sunrise Church area at 4430 Manchac Road, um, Austin, Texas, 78745. He's male. Um, he is 29 years old. He's brown hair, brown eyes. He's six feet tall. He is a, a person of color. Um, if you have seen him or receive any information regarding his whereabouts, Please contact 737-701-3046. Um, he is, at the time, I believe he's homeless. Um, but he is, uh, they have seen, they have had some sightings of him in the past week or or who they believe is him. Um, he might be sporting a really big beard. I will uh, post his picture, of course, on the Facebook group and the Facebook page. He does talk to himself when he's having an episode, but he's nonviolent, um, and he he's he doesn't like lash out to anybody. He he could seem a little irritated at himself, okay. um, but it's yeah he's not he's not a violent person. Same. Um, yeah, same. Uh, so yeah, that would conclude our episode. Honestly, that was. that was really intense. It was. It was really intense episode. Uh, if you like our podcast, or if you could follow us on Spotify, that'd be great. Um, or if you could follow us on Instagram. It's Nosy Nancy's. Um, we also have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. It's both Nosy Nancy's podcast. Yep. And um, if you have any questions, concerns, if you have a cold case, or if you have a missing person, or if you have something interesting you want to share with us or if you want to cuss us out or if you want to love us you can always email us at nosynancies at gmail.com it's n-o-s-e-y-n-a-n-c-i-s at gmail.com do not and email th- us cussing it will not be read <laughs> yeah <laughs> i won't be having it 
please do not fucking cuss at us. We're we are fucking precious girls, and we cannot take the fucking filth that people say. I'm just an innocent little soul, and we don't yeah. need to read your potty mouth language. We don't want yeah. it. We don't want it. <laughs> 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 All right. All right. That's well, it. see you I've next week. Enough. All right, ciao. All right. Oh, stay tuned. Oh, stay. Oh, oh, shit. Ciao. Say, la vie, man.